So I'm going to talk again about, you know, political correctness and cancel culture and that kind of stuff. As I've said on this podcast before, I think that basically the idea that anyone has never, ever said anything even even remotely offensive or regrettable is laughable. In fact, I don't even trust anyone who claims to have a perfect life or a spotless reputation. I think we make mistakes as a way to learn from them, but at a certain point you need to stop getting perpetually punished for them, unless you're a serial killer or something like that, but we're not necessarily talking about that, are we? Um, something that pains me is uh, self-professed liberals slash leftists who claim cancel culture isn't a real thing when I can easily find examples of it anytime I go online or attempts at it, you know, on Twitter or, uh, you know, obviously on other social networks slash platforms. This includes, of course, punishing celebrities who step even slightly out of line. I mean, you constantly see that. So uh, I, I want to put a little bit of extra perspective on this. I do remember the days before I ever tweeted or checked Facebook or any of that stuff, even before MySpace. So there's an obvious question. Were there still people back then getting canceled and, and such? Was there call-out culture and, you know, uh, you know, people trying to derail careers over things they've said or done that were wrong? Well, yeah, of course that sometimes still happened. So I don't want to make it seem like this phenomenon is entirely new or even that it's never, ever deserved. You know, I, there's an argument, a, a debate to be had over when it is legitimate, when it's not. And, you know, maybe there's some points in between where, you know, maybe you should <laughs> just punish somebody a little bit, just a little bit. But of course, it's basically always debatable. Um, it, anything is debatable. Even some out there will claim it's not, you know, um, but, but it is. I think we should take all these things on a case-by-case -case basis. Though hopefully without being too hypocritical or otherwise partisan about it. So that's another issue, you know, like... <laughs> during the whole Me Too thing, uh, some people are saying, Oh, believe women, except in this case. You know, like, except when it comes to, like, Joe Biden or so or somebody like that. That was an obvious example. You know, they were dismissing the accusations made by Tara Reid... And, uh, you know, you, you can find other examples, left, right, or center, of people trying to apply these double standards. And uh, more more generally, like, we can look at the, the arts, you know, the entertainment world. I personally think there's a difference between someone saying, do you like Chris Brown's music versus do you support Chris Brown's alleged violence against Rihanna? And yes, it, it is advised that you say alleged in these instances, lest you be accused of defamation of character and maybe get your ass dragged in the court. So to me, do you like Chris Brown's music is an innocent enough question that probably shouldn't garner much of a strong, immediate, negative backlash. If nothing else, we know that attitude ends up shutting down a conversation. And I know some people will be like, 
Well, there isn't even a discussion to be had, but I think there is, and there should be, when it comes to these kinds of issues. In a way, the question is almost the simplest sort of question, really, about whether he has fans or people who like his music or not, versus, you know, whether you support any sort of abusive behavior. It's simply about looking at what's trending and gathering data, two things the so-called information age is supposed to be all about. So, like, if if he's making record sales and, you know, selling tickets, it, it just means people can appreciate his music for whatever reason. Like, I'm not a Chris Brown fan myself, but I'm smart enough to recognize that there's a difference between going to see somebody's performance and, you know, thinking they're justified in literally anything they do. Um... Anyway, not only do I like to separate the artist from the artist to the extent possible, but I really don't like when people act like it's not even possible or that you're equally monstrous as the artist if you were to, like, go to their show or, you know, uh, buy one of their albums or even listen to one of their albums, like, in your own personal life or whatever. Plus, in some of these cases, there isn't necessarily even compelling evidence against, you know, whoever was accused. As far as I know, an accused person, you know, hasn't, might not have even actually hurt somebody, yet some out there want to act as judge, jury, and executioner, you know, before there has actually been an evidence-based process to actually prove something. And I know that we, we can all do that if we want, uh, but it leads me to paraphrase the famous Jurassic Park quote. Uh, Your activists were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't, to stop, they didn't stop to think if they should. Sorry, I kind of messed that quote up right there. But, you know, I, I tend to jumble things up sometimes. But anyway, in some cases, like with Chris Brown, the evidence of guilt will be stronger than in some other cases. It appears that Chris Brown did uh, almost publicly beat his then-girlfriend Rihanna in 2009. Like, they were on their way to uh, an, an award ceremony or something. Though he tried to make amends and even allege that they were both violent to each other, which actually does happen. But, you know, Chris Brown has been in trouble with other violent incidents either real or alleged, and with other people aside from Yana. So it's not just her. So we know there's something wrong with Chris Brown. <laughs> you know, most people don't get repeatedly falsely accused of such things. Um, so it's it's safe to say that there's, there's something... He's a magnet for controversy in these accusations. Still, when some people talk about these kinds of incidents with celebrities, or sometimes non-celebrities, they often come across as being no better than the behavior of Chris Brown himself. You can find these supposed great moralists espousing some of the most idiotic, vile, disgusting, and demeaning things you'll ever see in your lifetime, complete with you know people stupidly demanding their opposition fuck off, you know, they're calling them juvenile names and sometimes basically telling people to die 
you know, like, like they're really taking the moral high ground here by, you know, s stupidly saying these things, which any, anybody can do that, by the way, that's, you know, it's, 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 it's just stupid. So they don't seem to truly care that someone was being beaten or attacked by their partner or whatever. They just want to feel and look superior a lot of the time. And of course, no one wants to be beaten or strangled or assaulted by anyone. But some of the attacks, you know, uh, on violence and bullying end up becoming bullying campaigns themselves when internet doofuses get a hold of it. You know, instead of doing that, why not just promote websites or other resources that can help people with domestic violence issues, you know, uh, promote resources like the hotline or other places that might save someone's life from an abuser? Or how about actively helping a real, living, breathing human being out of an abusive relationship or something like that? It's not to say that none of these people ever actually do that. You know, I'm not trying to make it seem like none of these people are that supportive. But let's face it, plenty of them aren't. They're just online. You know, they just tap on the keyboard and they think that's really going, going to make such a huge difference. So if you're not actually doing something like that, you know, if you're not actually... Uh, taking concrete steps to help victims out, whatever you do won't matter nearly as much. I mean, yes, I can I can go on endlessly about Chris Brown or how someone was attacked and threatened by Harvey Weinstein or, or whatever, but at the end of the day, the Twitter mob wanting to punish someone, while not always, you know, being terrible, it simply isn't going to be as productive as actually physically helping somebody out. By the end of the day, there are, there are tweets, emails, maybe even phone calls, but it's it's probably not going to be as effective. Also, as a as a more general comment, I'd like to say we should remember that sometimes you need to put a, put these devices away and actually live a little bit more. And I should take that advice myself a little bit more. Um, but. There's an article by Pew Research Center that kind of hits the nail on the head regarding that issue. The article's called The Negatives of Digital Life, and it quotes a woman named Carolyn Heinrich, who's she's professor of public policy education and economics at Vanderbilt University. She said, If someone would have told me I was going to spend 10 to 12 hours in front of a computer most days to do my job, I would never have chosen my current occupation, but it seems like most jobs these days require constant computer use. We do everything electronically now, communications, writing, documentation, searching for information, etc., or filling out a survey. I would much rather be having this conversation via a phone survey than sitting and typing at my computer. Also, we text and email in most of our personal communications now too, rather than speaking by phone or meeting up in person. I email with a colleague two office doors down from me rather than arranging a meeting. The consequence for me physically is that I'm sitting too much and I have chronic back and neck pain, as well as tendinitis, from repeated motion and 
leaning into a computer a computer monitor. I also worry that social media like Facebook, Twitter, etc. are increasing social anxiety and are as destructive as they are potentially beneficial in their facilitation of communications. And we all never seem to get a break. I wake up in the morning and cringe at how many emails I already have waiting for me to attend to, and the need to keep up takes away from my time in more concentrated and potentially productive endeavors. So that really sums it up. You know, I gotta say amen to that. There's some truth there. You know, I mean, you don't have to be as anti-technology as Ted Kaczynski to actually see some merit to that kind of complaint. And finally, I do want to gripe about one last thing regarding the media. If you're going to cover a celebrity accused of terrible crimes, why not mention the actual evidence in the case more often? Nine times out of ten, I had read some article about Bill Cosby, and there was scarcely any mention of any, any actual evidence that could have been used to convict him. In my view, it's really a failure of the mainstream press that the lax standards regarding criminal proceedings are so obvious. You know, if you're spending so much time talking about this stuff, it's probably a good idea to actually dig in and get at these details so so you have a better informed audience and possibly even better informed journalists themselves. So that's just a thought. Anyway, have a nice day.